2: Me, <laughs> me,
3: morning, Central Arkansas, and all those listening uh, online, too. This is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick. Um, I filled in for him uh, not too long ago, but my name's Ken Yang. I'm the Saline County GOP chairman and also the chair of the chairs and also run American Dream uh, Strategies. And uh, always a pleasure and an honor filling in for the, uh, the great Dave Ellswick. Uh, We have a uh, packed uh, schedule for the show today. Senator Ben Gilmore will be in studio here soon. He is on his way. And then uh, we'll be joined by... uh at the bottom of the hour, uh, the mayor of Sherwood, Mayor Virginia Hillman Young, who is running for re-election, and will be joined by her. And then at the top of the hour at 7, we'll be joined by none other than the one and only Dick Morris, uh, who will be joining us on the phone. And then, of course, as you know, we take that hour break, and then we return at 9. And uh, I know you all haven't heard from her for uh, in, a, in a while, but Heather Beach-Turchie, who is running for uh, state rep, will be joining me in studio as she was part uh, of the original women's panel here on the uh, Dave Ellswick show. So a lot has been going on whether it's uh here in the state or here nationally. I'll probably just start nationally cuz once uh, the senator gets here, uh we'll, we'll kind of transition to the state since he's a state senator here in uh uh here in Arkansas. But uh as as we see, uh I mean it's it's always as if Gosh, I just sound like uh, a broken record. And I feel like whether it's Dave talking, whether it's any uh, host filling in, or do we sound like a broken record when we talk about the Biden administration, when we talk about the Democrats and their priorities? And, you know, I got a notification uh, yesterday that, you know, Bi- the Biden administration is going to tackle hunger in America. Uh, they're going to the first presidential a conference on hunger since President Nixon in 1969. They're going to kick off the White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. And they're going to end hunger in the country by 2030. But yet, they can't Seem to end anything else ailing us. They can't end the inflation that's ailing us. They can't uh, end the uh, uh, constant high prices, the supply chain issues that are that are uh, uh, ailing us. I think Congressman Hill said uh, not so long ago that you know the average Arkansan just this year is spending almost seven thousand dollars more on just whether it's groceries, gas. Uh, just essential needs uh as a family, so it's just uh and you know we talk about flubs, and my gosh, there's just so many one thing after another with president biden, and uh you know if you there's a clip where he's making this announcement. And back in the day, Biden had served with a congressman named Congressman Jackie Wierlarski, a Republican from Indiana who co-chaired the uh, House Hunger Caucus. And uh, when he was thanking some of the people there, uh, he said, Jackie, are you here? Where is Jackie? Where is Jackie? Well, Jackie's dead. Jackie's no longer with us. Congressman uh, Orlarski is no longer with us, and you have President Biden here in the fifteen se- in in a fifteen second clip. I'll post on my Facebook. But just you know, where where's Jackie? Well, you know, Jackie's no longer with us. Uh, President Biden, he just doesn't seem to know where he is what he's doing, and they trot him out doing some of the weirdest things, and I just think this uh, uh, House Hunger Conference is such a weird timing uh, during all this inflation, during all this stuff that we're going on. Um, I mean, you just look at how they're handling uh, the hurricane that's about to hit Florida, and it's almost as if... President Biden had to be shamed into uh, contacting Governor DeSantis uh, with, you know, having the federal government help and so on and so forth. <clears throat> but I tell people, well, things are are uh, um, looking up, looking up and up. And, uh, you know, Karl Rove, <clears throat> I don't know, had mentioned um I think the House will, will probably gain anywhere from 20 to 25 seats, probably closer to the 20, 20 in, and that gain will put us over that 230 majority mark, and which is significant because if you think about when Speaker Newt Gingrich was sworn in as Speaker of the House in the mid-90s, I think we were about at two, 230, and so if we get over 230, that's going to be more than when newt gingrich was speaker of the house and so that's really significant everyone's gaining traction i hear all this negativeness from whether it's even on fox news on cnn on all these places about where are we when it comes to midterms and these these elections are so important and you look at Pennsylvania, or Pennsylvania, you have a Senate race that's real close. You have a governor's race that's real close uh, in that area. You look at uh, black voters in Chicago. There is a piece by the Wall Street Journal. Uh, not too long ago about how black voters uh, are somehow uh, now finally getting it that they're uh, um, really unhappy with the Democrats and um, That you know they're still reluctant reluctant to vote for the Republicans, but they may just stay home And, uh, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing for Republicans if they're not coming out and voting for Republicans. If they stay home, Republicans get uh, elected and you have Republican policies that want to improve employment opportunities, uh, bolster law enforcement to stop uh, to try to stop the violent crime, violent neighborhoods in Chicago uh, and, you know, and just show. These black voters, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's anywhere else, I would say minority voters just in general, they're like, hey, the Republican Party is the party for you. Uh, And, you know, I think that's a really, really important thing as politicians, not just politicians, as people within the party, as we go out into the community, as we explain to folks what does our party stand for, and – And as long as we're there telling them, you know, hey, we're we're the party of lower unemployment. We're the party where you may not like President Trump's tweet, but under President Trump, more minorities had jobs. Versus under President Obama, more minorities were on food stamp. He was the food stamp president. Uh, And that's just fact and when you know we we like to say those things and you know the left the woke left Anytime you say anything that has anything to do with uh, people of a different race, ethnicity, you become racist, and I just always encourage people to just plow through that. I understand it's a little easier for me to plow plow through that, and you know I know we 're not on Facebook live uh this morning, but you know with a name like Ken Yang, you can already infer what my uh ethnicity is, but it 's a little easier for me to plow for but we have to. You know, all this isms, all, you know, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a sexist, or whatever. You know, that's just stuff that really, we know who we are, that's not who we are. They don't have anything to stand on. And that that's all they can, they can just call us names. But we're the party that understands what every day working with Arkansans or Americans uh, uh uh, need and want and that's who we represent so that is my uh, just morning event on national politics and what republicans should stand for and be uh, talking about when we return senator ben gilmore is here he'll be joining me in studio and we'll talk about state politics we are back on the Dave Elswick Show. Obviously, this is not Dave Elswick. My name's Ken Yang, filling in for Dave Elswick today, and the legendary Dave Elswick, as I always say. Uh, Senator Ben Gilmore is just right outside. He'll be joining me here uh, shortly, and uh, we'll, we'll just continue on our trek about uh, about politics. Feel free to call in if you have any questions or uh, or anything like that. But uh, there's a lot going on, uh, not only nationally, but I mentioned here in the state. A lot of people believe that, hey, we are uh, a ultra-red state, so we don't really have to do too much, which we know. That's just not true. The Democrats are energized. And... They whether it's the Roe v. Wade uh decision, that that's what we'll be talking with Dick Morris about at the top of the hour, or whether it's all this LGBTQ nonsense, this education nonsense, uh uh, trying to make sure that they continue to prop up Joe Biden. They're energized. They're coming after Republicans, especially Republicans that have opponents. And uh, uh, I was talking earlier, Senator. good morning, Senator Ben Gilmore. Uh, he's jo- already joined us. in studio. I keep forgetting we're not on Facebook Live, so people can't see that you've joined us in studio, but good morning.
1: That's, that's probably a good thing, I mean, considering the way we look, right, Ken? <laughs> good morning, Ken. Good morning to everyone who's listening. Good to be with you.
3: Yes. Uh, Senator Ben Gilmore's uh, on the show a lot, as y'all as you all know, he's co-hosted uh, a lot, too. But I started the program talking about national politics, where we're all nationally, and I said, you know, we'll talk about state politics when uh, the senator gets in. And, um, you know, my initial question is, so you, I know you had two town. You don't have an opponent, which is great. Uh, you are one of the um, top conservatives in the Senate, not in the Senate, but just, just in the legislature in general. Uh, if anyone disagrees with me on that, kind of too bad facts are facts uh that's that's just the fact of it uh with senator gilmore and and other senators uh like him we need more like him but you had uh two town halls yesterday uh in your district you know tell us what i mean what are people concerned about
1: well no first of all thank you ken for the high praise and obviously you know uh, you're one of our leading conservative voices in, in the state. We appreciate the work that you do for uh, the party as being a chair of the Saline County Republicans. And um, I'll just say there, there's no one who's fought harder and fought longer, probably. I mean, maybe there's a few that's fought longer. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, no one has fought harder, I would say, for the Republican cause and conservatism in the state of Arkansas. So we appreciate what you do. No, um, I had two town hall events yesterday in my district. Um, I'll tell you that people are energized. They're excited. Um, They're excited for uh, what it means to to have a new governor coming. Um, They're excited for what it means nationally for the Republican and conservative movement. But they also understand that uh, the, the fight is still real. Um, and what the issues that we're dealing with and the concerns that are important to us the values that are important to us we have to fight for and that's one of the the reoccurring theme at both of those events that I heard from from my constituents is You know we see what's happening we see what um, the the woke left that was a the phrase that was used a lot and no. it's true right we see what they're doing What are we doing? How are we countering that? How are we pushing back on that? Um, and so I think that's a great question. And I think that what that reminds me and it should remind all of us and, and the listeners today is we cannot give up. Yeah, we're a red state. We're a conservative state. No question about it. We're one of the most pro-life states in the union. That doesn't mean we can stop. Um, we didn't. We didn't get here by uh, just resting every time we had a victory. Uh, we got here because folks that came before you and I can fought yeah. hard and kept fighting. Um, and so, you know, the, the issues that, that I heard that were important yesterday was, you know. Uh, obviously education was was very important and what what does that mean what does that mean coming you know going forward and what we're looking at and the stuff that that covid really highlighted that was happening in our schools i heard it from school board members yesterday i heard it from concerned parents concerned grandparents of the stuff that my kids are being taught now thankfully in in southeast arkansas we're not dealing with a lot of the same issues that we're seeing around the state but you know what we could, and in some in some cases it's happening already. Maybe yeah. not to the extent, but there are things that are happening. There are teachers, uh, and I would argue there are rogue teachers that are maybe teaching things they shouldn't be teaching. Um, and so I think it's it's so important that parents stay engaged. And that was kind of my message to them was, look, there's a lot of levers that we can pull at the state level to help with this, and we've done some of that already. We're going to do more of that but parents have to stay engaged. Well, you see
3: way more conservatives finally running for school board all across the state, which I think is super important. That's how we stay engaged. And, uh, you know, a couple senators, a couple of your colleagues and I were talking about at an event in Batesville not too long ago. It is, you know, it's happening in Arkansas, where there was, uh, I can't remember which county, but this is Arkansas. I can look it up, where a girl identified as a cat, and the school district was forced to put out, uh, uh, I wouldn't say forced, but they Acquiesced and put out litter boxes uh, for this uh, uh, child that thought she was a cat. Just absolutely ridiculous uh, uh, stuff like that that we perpetuate as as normal. Uh, there is an article uh, recently, I think, uh, by, by conduit about the Fayetteville school district. I don't know if you saw that or not. Where mm-hmm. they're saying, "Hey, this this child." Let's not tell this parent, these parents who should know. First, who know best for their kids, but let's not tell really? them. Really, I know. Really,
1: wow. <laughs> it's such a
3: novel idea that you know that I. A quick aside about the Fay, Fayetteville thing, where you know they're they're just trying to prevent their parents from letting the parents know like this person doesn't identify as a female or male or whatever, and which is not something you should be keeping from parents first of all, but. Uh, I, it's amazing, you know. I've been doing consulting for almost a decade now, and I never thought that I would have to tell uh, the the public through through these candidates. You know, where we have a phrase that say parents know best, and why we get to the point was like how how do parents know best? But then you see it time and time again, where teachers teachers. Not all teachers, you know, if you're a teacher listening, right. I'm not saying not, all, right. teachers. not all teachers. There are really good teachers out there. Or certain teachers, you talk about those road teachers, they genuinely don't believe that parents know best. They believe they know best for your children.
1: Yeah, it, it, to, to that point, and I I, uh, I was talking to a school board member. yet. So I had parents come to my events. I had a parent actually call me on the way to one of my events. Concerned about this topic, and I was talking to a school board member, and and I said I was telling him about an issue that I had heard about in my district at a school, and how I had addressed it, and went to a couple of school board members, went to the superintendent, and and you know, I didn't really think that there's some resolution that should have been there, and I was asking the school board member, I said, how would you handle this? He's like, that has no business. Those kind of things have no business being in the school. We have no business teaching kids about gender identity and, and things of that nature. And I said, "Yeah, you know, why don't we just teach kids to read?" Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you've seen our our uh, test scores and our yeah. reading levels. It's embarrassing.
3: Well, it's it's, it's kind of you. You talk to the older generation. It's just, just teach our kids with reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, the the old adage. And it's just like we mm-hmm. could we could just get to that. Yeah, and that's a really good place to to start. But there's a reason why most countries are excelling the U.S. when, when they're teaching K through 12.
1: Yeah, and look, make no mistake, there are some good schools. Yes. There are some very good teachers. Yeah. There are some very good school board members. There are some very good superintendents. But we do need more parental involvement and we need parents making the decisions for their kids there's no question that and i don't think anyone's going to ever question the motive of a parent deciding what's best for their kid and and when you bring that involvement back into the schools because i think in some cases some districts and some schools allow that more than others but when you ensure that in every single school and in every single district i think what you're going to have is parents will be more engaged Kids are going to do better um, and and teachers and superintendents and schools will be more accountable That's right. because you know during covid and this is something I heard from all all of my school districts that during covid when kids were at home, there were kids that did really really well, and there were kids that didn 't do so well so I say that to say that like there's there's some onus on parents too right. Parents have to make sure that their kid, you know, ultimately is is doing what they need to do academically and everything else. But I don't think any parent, I don't think any parent wants to turn a blind eye to their kid's education and say, yeah, just whatever, whatever the school decides, I'm cool with that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, parents uh, were always engaged, have always been engaged, but there was a there was there was a trust with the administrators, with the teachers, just local community of knowing what uh, your your kids are learning and they didn't really um, get involved, per se, because they trusted the teachers. They trusted. And somewhere along the line, that trust was broken. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's not a hugely prevalent problem here in the state of Arkansas, but it is a problem where you have rogue teachers, rogue school districts like a Fayetteville mm-hmm. uh, keeping things from uh, from <clears throat> teachers, uh, uh, br- school districts bring, bringing in Planned Parenthood, which y'all closed that loophole last session yep. uh, in the legislature, uh, and things like that where there is that trust that was broken and you know t- uh, this is where parents are like hey now I-, I want to know I'm gonna go to school board meetings I'm gonna come to school I want to know what my kids are being taught but we'll talk more about local politics here we're turning with Mayor Virginia Hillman Young uh, here shortly on the Dave Elswick show Good morning. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang uh, filling in for Dave Ellswick today, along with State Senator Ben Gilmore uh, from Southeast Arkansas for di- District 1. Number one. Yeah, that. number one. Yeah, number one. Yeah. Number one on like the it. list. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, we're joined on the phone by the mayor of Sherwood, and uh, Vir- Mayor Virginia Hillman Young. Young, if you haven't driven through Sherwood recently, uh, and I don't drive through there that often, but if you haven't driven through Sherwood, I mean, my that place is booming and bustling. There's a huge article about it, and I can't remember what magazine about how much Sherwood has grown, and uh, you can attribute a lot of that, in my opinion, to the uh, mayor of uh, Sherwood, Virginia, Hillman Young. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Well, how, how's it going this morning? So, what we've been talking about this morning is, you know, we have the state senator here. He had a couple of town halls yesterday. We were talking about, you know, I know his is partisan. Yours is a nonpartisan race. But we were talking about what are the constituents, you know, we hear about national politics, but what are constituents worried about? What are constituents concerned about when it comes to local politics? And I think as, as a mayor of a town like Sherwood, you know best. You're running for reelection. You have three opponents. Um, but you've done a great job with the, being the mayor. You know, what are the, your voters telling you, like, like, hey, you've done a great job, but, you know, we want X, Y, and Z still. We're still worried about X, Y, and Z.
4: You know, we are hearing a few comments at the door about, you know, traffic seems to be an issue everywhere, and speeding and traffic. But, you know, one thing that we, ha- we have um, enlisted a study with the highway department that we just got um, some results back in August of uh, you know, we want to work with the highway department to, to help alleviate some of that uh, traffic congestion, congestion that we have, you know, Rockington getting on the 67-167. That's not a, a short-term project, but it certainly is um, something that we've enlisted in, and we have um, been working with them for a few years to try to get that back. So we're excited about that. Traffic seems to be an issue. Um, another thing that, um, that we hear a lot about is, you know, especially after yesterday's incident in Sherwood, you know, have a lot of comments at the door about how much they appreciate our police department. And we we just have a great police force, and I've always had the support of the police department. I've always supported them to make sure they have their needs. And I think yesterday's incident um, was another reminder to us, just the first um, call that we make is to our, our first responders whenever we have a crisis in our lives, so... That is something that um, I believe is one of the most important things to our residents. It first, most, first of all, to feel safe in the community. I, I,
1: I love that, Mayor. This is uh, this is Ben Gilmore, and thanks for joining us. You know, I, you. I was I was looking at your um, uh, your push card, and uh, I see that you were actually endorsed by the uh, FOP, uh, which is a big deal, Fraternal Order of the Police. Um, that's a big deal. You know, there's. I would say that our law enforcement have a really difficult time um, right now, and, and I love the fact that you, you state that you back the blue. So what are some of the things that, that you've done um, to show your support for law enforcement? Because, I, you know, I think that's, again, that's one of the most important things, and I think that, that mayors have a leading role in doing that. Um, so obviously they support you. What are some of the things that that you've done that you can highlight that that that, that you think have, have worked in your community as supporting the police that have made things better? Um, any any thoughts on that?
4: Absolutely. One of the main things is, is um, make sure that we have adequate number of police officers. I believe we had in the low sixty number. You know that we had of um, officers certified officers when i came in the mayor's office in 2007 we now have over 80 and the comment was made at a budget committee just a few years ago in fact it happened to be an opponent questioning why we had so many police officers in sherwood said that other cities our size did not have as many officers as we did but i will never support the reduction of our police officers if anything we will continue to increase our police officer force and also, um, we recently um, purchased a, a new a SWAT truck. It's the first one that we have actually purchased new in our city. And, because um, you know, our environment is changing continually, and we never want to feel like that we have sent our police out into a situation that they properly were not prepared with the equipment that they needed and the training. And we've also implemented um, and supported a, a cost Step increase for our officers, where they are on a, um, a defined pay increase um, program for them.
1: That's fantastic, I, and I, I know that they they appreciate that, and I'm sure their families do, um, because at the end of the day, you know, the, the steps that you've taken obviously helping help ensure that they come home safely to their families each night, and that's that's so important. You know, we have a we look across the state, and we have a crime problem. Um, it typically starts in in more urban central Arkansas area, uh, Little Rock, shall I say? And I'm sure that that bleeds out into Sherwood, and so I know that you know you you guys feel that. Um, and, and I'm sure your officers feel that. And so I'm sure uh, I, I know I could probably say with great authority, considering they endorsed you, that they appreciate your advocacy on their behalf and the support that you've given
4: them. I, I have to agree.
3: Well, you know, so you're running for re-election. Typically, there's a reason why, you know, t- candidates or uh, our elected officials run for re-election. So you know what's you know before we get into that but what's some of the things that you want to highlight that you've maybe people don't know maybe the listeners don't know that uh, has happened in the city of sherwood under your tenure
4: you know one thing that has happened in the last um over the last 15 years and it's been it's been a tough process but we have stayed at with it and we are seeing the results our streets were in a terrible shape um we had for the most part, um, just ceased all overlay milling. Um, we just did not have the funds to do that. And, you know, that's very expensive, but it is a part of the expectations and the needs of a community. And so we have just really been on a steady program to improve our streets. And, you know, when I asked our public works director one day this week, I said, um, how many potholes? Are you feeling these days? And he stopped for a second and he said, You know, not very many and he has just he himself has just been a real champion of trying to improve our streets and we have enlisted with a um, a service that they actually drive through our city and video our streets and so they take that that data and they rank it in priority you know, prioritize the needs of our streets. And so when we get ready to spend a lot of money, which we have increased every year in our budget for several years, when we get ready to expend that money, we go back to that data. And it really takes the politics out of street maintenance for the most part. And it really helps to meet the needs of those streets. That doesn't mean it will be balanced in each ward, but it will be balanced throughout the city in regards to the needs of those streets. And so as a result... And our consistency with, with maintaining this program and staying after it, we really have improved our streets.
3: Awesome, awesome. Well, of course, as I mentioned, you're running for a reelection. You have three opponents. Uh, you've you've done such a great job with the city's revenue. You've done such a, a, a such a great job, like you said, with the with the roads and uh, uh, the in the street. Uh, uh you have done such a just just, just a great job with economic development uh, you've done a great job you know, supporting law enforcement making sure that the the crime doesn't bleed too much into uh, uh, um, uh, Sherwood so what what is you have 60 seconds if we have to go, before we have to leave but uh, what is um, what is next what what do you want to do here here next term as as mayor
4: well, we just hired a new economic developer in the spring, and he has just—he's just, just done a great job. He is—he has hit the ground running, and he has a lot of things on his radar that he has just made a lot of good contacts and outreach. Um, we have a park study that's about to complete, and our number one priority—one of our first things we want to do—is to build an inclusive park in in our city, and we have. Um, a 20-acre public works site that we have purchased out in the north part of the city where a lot of our growth is and um, we have spent a lot of money excavating and getting that property with the fitted infrastructure and we are ready to start building that, that facility real soon so we want to complete that and as a result we will expand and improve our existing animal shelter at the location where it currently is, and then, you know, where we can build a dog park also that will be much larger than than one that we have and will complement that complex. So those are just a few of the things, as well as continuing, you know, to support our police and, and improve our streets.
3: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, uh, uh, Mayor. You can find the Mayor on uh, Facebook at reelect Virginia Hillman Young, Sherwood Mayor, and uh, best of luck on the campaign trail. I'm sure I'll, I'll see you and talk to you soon.
4: All right, thank you so much. Y'all have a great day.
1: Thank you, Mayor. Appreciate the good work. Well, that was uh,
3: Mayor Virginia Hillman Young. If you're in the city of Sherwood, I think they're having a the the Sherwood Chamber is having a uh, debate soon. You can find that online on the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce's page, and uh, you'll be able to hear more about all of the candidates. So we're going to go on a quick break, and we'll be back uh, here shortly on the Dave Elswick Show. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're just going through – this is Ken Yang uh, joined by – that's a terrible segue, but this is uh, (laughs) Ken Yang joined by State Senator uh, Ben Gilmore. So for the next uh, 10 minutes or so, uh, we'll pivot back to local politics. So one of the things in today's news is Conway School Board sets vote on transgender policy. So just what we were talking about a little bit ago about local politics and some of these Rogue school districts, rogue teachers and administrators, and that that forcing school boards and parents and whatnot to stand up to the woke left, to stand up to these LGBTQ policies that are just they're forcing down the throat of your children. That's what I hear most about from parents who say, "Hey, you know, I'm not political, Ken. You know, I may vote Republican, I may vote Democrat, but stop telling my kids." my daughter that she can be my son stop telling my son that, she, that he can be my daughter stop feeding my kids this crap
1: yeah who, who thinks a seven-year-old eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old has any business even thinking about this at this point in time in their life I, i'm, I'm going to read a excerpt a quote from the article here's the quote i'm a wife mother of four and a christian said Conway resident Jenny Wallace in September 13th board meeting. Quote, pushing an agenda in the current culture war while bullying Conway public students. Read that again. Pushing an agenda in the current culture war while bullying Conway public students. Good for that parent. Good for that mother. That's the kind of engagement that we need. We saw this in Virginia. We saw the movement in Virginia. We saw what they did. She goes on to even reference that that movement uh, in Virginia. But it's going to take parents. Yes, can we pull levers? Absolutely. But I can tell you, it's better to have these fights at the local level where you are in charge, where you have a bigger voice, than for us to try to solve it and push it down at the state level. I'm all for it, don't get me wrong. And we've done, and Ken knows well, we've done some good work on this at the state level. But you know what? When it comes to ensuring personal liberty and freedom and your rights, you never legislate more of it typically you never legislate more. Yeah,
3: of well it. and, and, and it's it's you know it's it's getting you know it's it's getting to the point where you know we we talked about reasonable accommodation for these students who um, who consider themselves trans in my opinion they suffer let's just be honest they suffer from gender dysphoria uh, uh, and that's just not talked about enough uh, but that's that's for another another conversation but but, you know, I, I, I served uh, years ago on the committee that chose the next venue for uh, governor's school. And one of the questions that was asked, it was surprisingly not me that asked it, a member member asked, well, what, what happens when you have a student that you know that has a different gender identity? And you had two of the colleges say, well, these are minors, so they're going to go to the dorm where all the girls live. They're biological female they're going to go to all the dorms and there was only one school that that said oh we'll we'll put them where they identify like can you imagine the yeah these are minors but there's also teenagers you know, you got a female over there in the guys' dorms. You have a guy over there in the girls' girls' dorms. You, you talk to, uh, you know, older men. I mean, my gosh, you know, they're just you know, guy. When we we're in high school, just think if I could have just pretended to be a, 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 a girl and go over and uh, be have the same changing room as the cheerleaders, as the volleyball team, as whatever, you know. Uh, and we hear about these crazy, you know, stories of these predators doing stuff like that. Um, And so, you know, we've been at the Capitol where, where, you know, where y'all have passed great legislations, fought. People like me, other great organizations have fought where, you know, we passed making sure that boys don't get to play with girls and girls sports, where we make sure that that stays the same, where we make sure that we don't uh, mutilate our, our minors, our minors uh, uh, here in the state of Arkansas. And then when we're talking about educating, we're educating our kids proper education, reading, writing, arithmetic, not that, hey, you can be – hey, little Tommy, you can be a a princess if you want to.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, when I first got involved in politics – and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, but it was the abortion issue that got me interested and involved in politics. My family was involved in that fight. I never even thought about the fact that we'd be talking about this kind of stuff. Mm. Now, maybe maybe I should have had a little more foresight. I don't know, but I was pretty young at the time. Yep. But I never had the idea, and the fact that you know, going back to being in my district and the town hall meetings we were talking about earlier, this topic came up at least three different times uh the last time it came up a parent a a parent a mom said what are we doing what are we doing to protect our kids from the transgender movement i don't want my daughter having to be subjected to playing sports or being in the same locker room as a male student and Literally, the words that came out of my mouth was, if you're a biological male, you have no business playing in a biological female sport or sharing a locker room. The fact that we even have to say that now. I don't know, Ken. You've been in politics a long time. Yeah. Do you ever think that when you got started in politics, you do have to say that?
3: No, I I never thought I had to say biological male, biological female, be at the Capitol testifying, be at the Capitol, you know, uh, seeing legislators be spit on by the LGBTQ folks. and
1: Escorted out of public health community committee.
3: And arrested for for causing a a scene, uh, uh, things of that sort. And so it's. And I said this. I said this when when it was when they said it was all about we want to be married. It was never about Hmm. that piece of paper. You know, and yes, I tell people, if it was about that piece of paper, I don't agree with gay marriage, marriage between a man and a woman, but if it was about that piece of paper, at some point you're going said, okay, whatever, just get that piece of paper, get married, whatever. But that's what it was. It was never about that. You yeah. know, I talked to Jerry Cox when, when they passed in 2004 uh, the marriage amendment, 75% to 25%. And he said, gosh, that passed, marriage man and woman, he says, Ken, I never thought that would have been struck down, that would be doing He says, When we pass that in two thousand four, seventy five, twenty five, that he goes, That's for my son or my, my grandson to handle. I'm done with that. I don't have to handle that as, while I'm on this earth and boom, did it change real quick in the past decade. Uh we're not not only did we were talking about gay marriage, but we're talking about LGBT LGBT. And then and now it's LGBTQ. Now it's like IAA plus plus, plus whatever you know, yeah. and it's just it's just ridiculous. But, but
1: see, in that, but the reason we're talking about it, the reason the reason that's even an issue, the reason that folks like Jerry Cox now have to keep fighting this issue, is because the other side is good at what they do, mm-hmm. and 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 what they're doing is they're getting they're starting with the young people, they're starting with our students, they're starting as young as. You know, uh, first grade. In some cases, even before then. Yeah. But but that's where they're starting, and they're indoctrinating. You know, going back to your point, I, you know, obviously, I remember watching the the Supreme Court on on that decision on the the gay marriage decision and everything. And and you know, I think a lot of people were similar in mind. Like, you know what? It's happened. At the end of the day, I don't really care what happens in the bedroom, right? Yeah. That that's that's I, I can't control that. That's right. But, you know, at the end of the day, we we have got to, uh, you know, at some point it does matter because they have forced it on us. they forced us to care. And I think I hear music play, and I know we've got a break coming.
3: Yeah, but they're, they're forcing us to... Uh, what is not normal and they want to force to say that's normal. That's okay. You know, instead of us saying, okay, you happened privately. I don't care what happens privately but now it's just like, well, we want what happens privately to be normal and we want you to say that it's normal. We want you to say that it's okay. We want you to celebrate yeah, it. Yeah, we want you to celebrate and if you don't, you're just this awful awful human being. Yeah.
1: Uh, you're racist. You're whatever yeah, it is. You're
3: whatever it is. And so, you know, kudos to the Conway School District for picking it picking this up hopefully they the school board members vote the right way and uh, restrict uh, uh, these uh, children that really don't know you know, uh, any, any, any better, but also, you know, male is male, female, uh, females, female. So, so the uh, vote
1: is scheduled October 11th on on this issue, and I think it's they're, they're, It's out for public comment. Yeah. or they're requesting public comment. Because,
3: well, contact, Get uh, engaged. Yeah, contact uh, school district, Conway school board members. Contact your legislators if you need help. And so we'll be joined by the great Dick Morris at the top of the hour. We'll be talking Roe v. Wade. He had an article on Newsmax. And so uh, join us and uh, stay with us at 7 with Dick Morris. For the second hour of the Dave Ellswick show, this is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick, joined by State Senator Ben Gilmore, but then joined by our very special guest this morning, Mr. Dick Morris, who's a former advisor to President Donald Trump, and uh, most of many of our listeners love President Trump and the author of Return: The Return. Trump's big 2024 comeback. Uh, Good morning, uh, Mr. Morris. How's it going?
2: Good morning. You're very kind to introduce me that way, but you left out a particularly salient point for where this broadcast originates. I was Bill Clinton's major advisor for 20 years, uh, and I used to be in Little Rock every week. Um, So, hello, Little Rock.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Well, I... You know, I know that's. Uh, I've seen you on Fox News on Newsmax. I know that's how they uh, uh, intru- yeah. uh, introduce you for sure. And you've got a lot of listeners that you know. I was telling them yesterday that you're going to be on, and they're they're very excited. So, um, I think one of the things um, we're going to talk about this morning is you you had you were on uh, um, Newsmax uh, uh, recently, but you also had an article about. You know, Dems be, Democrats becoming the party of abortions, not pro-choice. Yep. Um, you know, yep. we want to go into that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, I think the country has, as a result of the Dobbs decision and Lindsey Graham's proposal, reached a, a, a consensus on abortion. First time that's happened since the 70s when Roe was decided. The concept of 15 weeks, that you allow it during the first trimester, but after that, you ban it. And I think the pro-life people are saying, well, I'd like to ban it entirely, but I'm not sure you can do that politically. Uh, I understand. Let's take what we can now, which is a 15-week, and we'll press for more later. And the, the pro-choice the pro people are saying, well, we'd like to have abortion any time, but we'll accept a 15-week thing, because... of the abortions are in the first 15 weeks anyway and uh, I think that on abortion if you stray from the middle ground from the center on that uh, you're absolutely going to get killed Uh, the uh, left uh, wants wants abortions right up to the moment of delivery and uh, they don't believe you need to have parental consent or even notification for an abortion on a minor And uh, I I think the country just rejects that completely. And I think that what happened is that the Democrats blew through the stop sign. And they, uh, instead of heeding that 15 consensus, they went for 40 weeks. And they said, we want it all the time for any reason. And uh, the country just is rebelling against that. Uh, I've found in my polling uh, a six-point shift, which is, doesn't sound like much, but it's huge, given the national data, uh, a, 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 a six-point increase in pro-life sentiment and commensurate decrease in pro-choice. So, and that has animated a major change in the midterm elections. Yeah. Until Dobbs' decision, uh, Republicans were doing great looked like they would get the generic ballot lead, which means all things being equal, who would you vote for in your district, the Democrat or the Republican, had swelled to 9 or 10 or 11 points, which was a total wipeout. And uh, then with Dobbs' decision, the Democrats focused on abortion, saying this will ban it all over the country, and uh, the lead dwindled until August, it was a tie. Now the Republicans have opened up a four-point lead again, and I think that's largely impelled by the Democratic overreach on abortion. And in the Senate races throughout the country, you see them tilting back to the Republicans. And I think that abortion, the Democrats just overplayed their hand on abortion.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know. I've often said, you know, it's for me. It's continually odd that the, it is the hill that Democrats will will die on. It literally is, and they continue to push it. But would you, you know, here in the state of Arkansas, you know, I've Senator Gilmore here, who you know, they passed the just outright.
2: Let me abort- say hi. You ever guess that, Senator Gilmore?
1: Yes. Hey, Dick. Thanks for being on. Hi.
2: What, what what's
1: your district It is uh Southeast Arkansas so Chico County oh, wow. uh Lake Village all the way up to Whitehall
2: uh, I used to work for uh
1: for Dickey Oh yeah yeah. yeah yeah great great uh, congressman uh, yeah, uh, Jay Dickey yeah well. Yeah but so, uh,
2: the,
3: but the, the you know the state senator here is you know one of the most pro-life uh senators here in the state uh, carried a lot of pro-life bills uh last last session uh, a couple of them uh, done good work you know obviously voted voted for the just outright abortion ban so I mean, do you think are, are there states similar to arkansas where i don't i personally don't feel the sentiment in arkansas is kind of that middle of the line i you know i, I yeah. agree with your your article and what so, you just said but
2: I, I think i think that i think the supreme court was wise in saying let the 50 democracies that comprise our union Absolutely. make their own decisions And uh, I think that's a typical example. I think that it's very possible that the people of Arkansas uh, would support a total ban on abortion, in which case the court allowed that, and I think that's great. I was saying, though, that nationally uh, there are so many states, there are so many areas where the Democrats are dug in uh, for abortion rights uh, but are carrying it too far uh, for their own constituency. Because I think that pro-choice voters Are not pro-abortion I think about a third of them are But two-thirds of them Dislike abortion They think that it's a necessity And they should be allowed In certain circumstances But they really don't like it And the Democrats Have been like Have been celebrating it uh, Talking about population control Some even advanced legislation To allow infanticide For like a few days after birth And uh, This is just disgusting to the American people, and I think it's really hurt. And the Democrats had hoped that they could blunt the impact of inflation by talking about abortion. And for the summer, it happened. But then the Democrats moved too far, and now they've lost that defense. And the elections are increasingly about inflation, Mm -hmm. and the uh, Democrats are sunk in that.
1: No, I I think everything you just said is spot on. And one of the things, and of course Ken knows well because he's a great political mind here in the state, but one of the things that we're seeing is every single Democrat candidate that is running, even the ones that have no hope of winning uh, in some of these districts, every single one of them is talking about the abortion issue. Uh, which is, which is interesting to me, uh, because they know where this, this, basically how this polls in Arkansas. They know what the, what the voters, uh, feel like in Arkansas. I mean, this is like an 80-20 issue in Arkansas, right? And, and, but the fact that they're talking about it and they're carrying, I would say they're carrying water of the, the national Democrat party on this issue, which is just mind-boggling to me that they would do that. Um, which is ensuring, I mean, it, it, look, I'm not saying that there won't be a Democrat that wins in Arkansas, but it's ensuring that, by and large, they're going to lose and lose big in Arkansas.
2: Yeah. And And I think that uh, behind the issue of how states' voters turn out of the pro-life voters in other states, and I think this is swelling it, you know, the polling that's done now it has an implicit bias in that it really can't track whether you're going to vote or not. Uh, you can ask people, and they'll tell you, yes, I'm going to vote. But y- you don't know that they do, and very often people just misrepresent that. And when you look at indices of actual voting, uh, like party registration and primary turn- turnout during the primaries, it's vastly more Republican than Democrat. And I think that that indicates that the Republicans going to do much better than the media polls certainly suggest that they are.
1: Well, and and I think you, you can look at it, too. I think it suggests that, I mean, the Democrats really – they're not really energized from what I'm seeing. I mean, they are obviously in some states and some specific regions. But there's not a lot of energy. There's not a lot of things to excite them. There's not a lot of candidates to excite them. I mean, I, I kind of compare this to the Obama movement, like you know that 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 hope and change movement, that wave that kind of swept with with Obama. The excitement of a younger you know younger president. Uh, a lot of factors there. But like you look at. You look at Joe Biden now, you look at inflation, and you have Joe Biden saying on yep. sixty minutes uh well it's only gone up an inch and then when he pushed he, yeah. when he's pushed on, he's like, yeah, I got it you know it yeah. it's that kind of mindset I right. don't think they're energized
2: and you know the inflation issue uh in my polling just is dominating everything it's even much more important than the border or crime uh the because it's affecting everybody, but particularly the under-40-year-old voters. Uh, for you and me, a higher gas price means we can't drive as much. For them, it means they can't buy a car. Mm. And it means that they can't get married, and they can't have children, mm. and they can't move out of mom's basement. And uh, it's really a huge concern of theirs, and I think that the Republicans have a perfect issue there. Mm. And the Democratic strategy blunted. I think it's fading.
3: When you, and you make a great point uh, at the, the end of your article and even, even on your show, uh, Dick, Dick Moore's Democracy uh, on Newsmax, is that you said, I think, I think, quote, the two sides of the coin have merged. Where like People are starting to see how bad Joe Biden is and how Trump already solved all of these problems that Joe Biden's somehow bringing them back into light.
2: Yeah, whenever you have a challenger to an incumbent, the inevitable question is, how do we know you can do better? And why should we believe you can solve this problem when the incumbent couldn't? And Clinton has a a four-word answer. I did it already. But, you know, before the interview ends, I want to talk a little bit about Hillary this year. Uh, I believe, and I write in my book, The Return, that Hillary is going to run... that I think she's going to be the Democratic Party nominee. I think she's going to get clobbered in the election, but I think that she's going to run. And my theory about this is that in 1992, uh, I was very involved, as you know, with Bill Clinton and advocated his moving to the center to win the Democratic nomination in 92. And I told him, look, go out there and say, we lost with Mondale, we lost with Dukakis we've got to move to the center to win an election. I'm a new Democrat and I'll reform welfare as we know it. I'll, uh, I'll have balance the budget. I'll do all kinds of stuff like that. And based on that, he was nominated. And now I think Hillary is planning to follow the same playbook and say, after the Democrats lose the election of, of 22, to say, look, we just lost house, we lost the Senate and we'll lose the White House too if we continue to stay on the left. That's why a week ago she said Americans oppose open borders. And the moderate Hillary that we all knew in Arkansas, who advocated teacher testing, who uh, was, uh, was really in the center, uh, has been reborn. And uh, I think that that's the Hillary that's going to be running well. for office in 24
3: well well that's uh you know I think would be all excited if she ran because like you said I think we'd all know that she'll be she'll be clobbered um but that's an interesting thing to to look at well uh Mr., uh well dick I appreciate you uh um coming on this morning hope you visit arkansas uh, uh soon and uh we'll have and, and you S-
2: senator what's what's this what's your name sir uh, Ben Gilmore good good well it's good to meet
1: you great to meet you dick thanks for being on. Thanks.
2: Is Camelot Hotel? Still, not Camelot. Yeah, the uh, yeah the the, the the really beautiful hotel in our, in Little Rock. Oh, Capitol Hotel. Capitol Hotel. Yeah, is that still open? It's still it's, open. It is oh, good. Is the dining room still so beautiful and? Oh yes, yes. Oh, so good. That's great. I absolutely love that balcony there overlooking the, yeah. the avenue.
3: Yes. Well, thank you so okay. much, Dick, and I uh, hope you visit Arkansas okay. soon, and we'll talk. We'll talk again.
2: Me too. Take right. care. Bye-bye. Take care.
1: Well,
3: this is Ken Yang on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be right back after a short break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang, guest hosting for Dave Ellswick uh, here this morning. Where I'm here with State Senator Ben Gilmore. He's going to uh, stay with us until 8, and then uh, we'll have that one-hour break, be back at 9, Heather Beach-Turchie will be joining uh, me uh, at 9 for that hour, and then uh, – I really don't even know. I usually ask who's gonna to host uh, tomorrow but I'll I'll get that and announce that uh um, <clears throat> here when we come back. But it was great to have Dick Morris on. I know a lot of listeners see him on, on Fox News and on Newsmax and he is just uh, uh, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to national politics and just his involvement and in, even just in Arkansas politics uh, from a historical uh, point of view. I think one,
1: one key takeaway from the discussion with Dick was uh, Democrats are overplaying their hand and looks like they're not doing well.
3: <laughs> yeah, but they they continue to play their hand on the abortion thing, and I think they But
1: it, it keeps marching their narrative forward. Though. Yeah,
3: and they're going to overplay their hand on the you know uh, LGBTQ whatever. Uh, but you know they're they're now you know they're they're choosing states based on their initiatives and what they want to pass. Uh, one of their one of their biggest initiatives uh, is recreational marijuana. Uh, they're here now. And they're going to be on the on the ballot. The um, supreme, the board of elections said their ballot title wasn't good enough to be on the ballot, so they sued. Uh, went to the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, "Well, the Secretary of State will need to decide uh, whether or not uh, you know the ballot title is sufficient or not." The Secretary of State says the ballot title is not sufficient, uh, but then the I'm just confused of why the secret, the Supreme Court says, "Hey." You got to decide, John Thurston.
1: Oh wait, we don't like your decision. Yeah, we don't
3: like your decision. We're still going to count the votes come November.
1: Well, I think I think what what's a key takeaway from that is there's a very important judges races race going on right now. Yeah, um, and I think that a certain Supreme Court justice was uh, not willing to uh, rule not in favor of that ballot title. He was yep. he you know uh, obviously I think he sees right on the wall. And I'm talking about the man that uh, Judge Carnahan is running against. Yeah, Justice Win. Well, I wasn't going to say his name, but uh, well, people need to know. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I just don't like say you know That's giving true. any more name ID than I have to. Yeah. But yeah, Judge Carnahan is the name you need to yeah, remember. Chris
3: Carnahan. I know a lot. Of, he's been on the show before. A lot of the listeners support him from Faulkner County, running against one of the liberal judges. You know, but you know, then and the Supreme Court did vote uh, five 2 uh, to you know, count the votes for recreational marijuana, the only two uh, people that voted against that was Justice Barbara Webb and Justice Sean Womack, the two conservatives on, on the bench. Uh, and I have other friends on the bench, and if that hurts your feelings, too bad you voted the wrong way. <laughs> uh, that's, that's just fact, fact of it. And so just as we were saying, that piece of paper for gay marriage was never about that piece of paper. It's the same thing with marijuana. Medical marijuana was never about medicine. And we said it. We said these same people will return. And those, those people that support medical marijuana, no, no. Uh, people like Ken, people like Dr. Buzzo, people like Jerry, they're lying. We just want medicine. We just want medicine. We just want, we just want to treat the people with I, all that stuff. I and heard we, the same arguments. And we won't come back. We promise we won't come back. And what? Within four years, they're back trying to pass recreational marijuana, trying to make sure that you grow your own. Trying to release, um, not, they're not releasing, as they say, they're not releasing these people that, you know, where the police found uh, a blunt in a little baggie. They're releasing, they're trying to release these people that distribute, uh, heavily drugs, not just marijuana, heavy drugs. Marijuana is just, just the tip of the iceberg. And so, um,
1: well, uh, to to that to that point a cu- couple of things right so we were actually talking about this yesterday we started off the show with with me talking about uh, some town hall events that I had mm-hmm. in my my district this issue came up and people are really concerned about it there were there were folks who run sawmills in those town halls yesterday and and one of the concerns was if we have people high on marijuana they can't run a bandsaw in a sawmill. I'm sorry, that just can't happen, right? Um, the the other thing to look at, too, and I think Colorado is a great case study on this. You know, it, our, our states have always been referred to as, as laboratories of democracy, right? And so I think you can look at other states and learn from mistakes and learn from the good things. We do that all the time in the legislature. We see a bill in other states that we like, and we're like, you know what, we need this here. Um, so... But Colorado is a great case study on this. Their black market on marijuana has all—I mean—has greatly increased since they passed recreational. Yeah. The other thing that I think needs to be pointed out with this amendment is, it is it—it's it, it, not a capitalistic approach even to this issue. It's creating—it's it, creating monopolies. Yes. When you read it, and you're like, the, the, all all of the the stuff that's in there about who's getting grandfathered in, which dispensaries are, cultivators are, it's even adding a a tax. On it. Yep. I was asking law enforcement yesterday. I'm like, so with the taxes going to be on uh, the marijuana, is that going to uh, create a solution yeah. or an issue where people are going to go buy it illegally because it's cheaper? Yep. And yes, it will.
3: Yeah, we'll continue the discussion when we come back. Uh, we have a heartbreak here in about uh, five seconds. We'll be back on the Dave Ellswick show after this break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick, joined by State Senator Ben Gilmore. Good morning. Yes, so we are... To, to here to the home stretch. We've got two segments left for the top of the hour. We're going to continue about talk about the issues that are on the ballot. So we're talking about recreational recreational marijuana, which is issue four. And then we'll probably touch about issue uh, issue two, two. Uh, here in uh, here in a little bit. And I think that's probably all the time we'll have. But uh, so
1: before the break, we were, we were talking about Colorado and and yeah. that case study, and I think it's really important for the listeners, um, also the voters, right? Which one and the same. Um, to understand and and to realize what's coming. I mean, this is going to be one of the things that the the, the folks that are pushing this marijuana uh, issue, the recreational marijuana, is, oh, it's going to be a boom to our economy. I think the headline in the the newspaper this morning, Democrat Gazette, uh, pot could bring 460 million study fines. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, look at all that money going to be flooding into our state. But with that comes... The negative externalities, if you will, the negative consequences, um, think about the fact that we have workforce issues already in the state, things that we've tried to address at the state capitol, uh, and we've done some good work there. There's a lot more we need to do. We know that, I think, with Sarah, she's talked a lot, our, our next governor, whomever she may be, <laughs> has talked about uh, workforce wanting to be a big part of her agenda. Well, you know, let me just say, folks, it's going to be really really difficult uh, to do anything on workforce when you have legalized marijuana in the state of Arkansas. And one of the things that was discussed yesterday with some of the town hall events that I did in my district was this issue. And business owners, uh, folks who own and run sawmills, um, you know, just the, you know, I had law enforcement in the room, they were very concerned about this. One guy who is uh, a gentleman who is, He's actually running for uh, sheriff in Drew County. Um, he's on the drug task force for the tenth judicial district. He was talking about this and bringing some really good insight on this issue. There's going to be a lot of cost. Yeah, maybe it's bringing a lot of money, but let me just tell you, we are going to feel the cost for decades to come yeah. on this issue.
3: Well, we're already here at feeling the cost, uh, uh, whether it's costs by workforce. With the uh, medical marijuana because you know even if you have a card your your business, if you work in the, in the workforce can still set policies, but uh, unfortunately with the, if you pass recreational, you know those businesses are not going to be able to set those policies anymore because it's not just relegated to to medical, but you also talk about the economic you know all this economics stuff I saw that yesterday they had all these graphs, going to bring in this amount of money revenue, tax revenue jobs bring in jobs and whatnot what a load of baloney. You just look at medical marijuana. That's what they said about medical marijuana that's going to bring all this revenue. Medical marijuana still has not paid for itself uh-huh. of it being implemented here in the state of Arkansas. That's just the fact fact of the matter. We are still in the red trying to dig out of the hole when we implemented medical marijuana in this state. And the, the, the state is not giving you the revenue. And, and I tell people all the time, how can you make money When the state subsidizes it. So if you want to go and get a medical marijuana card today, you can say, hey, I don't have enough money to get a medical marijuana card. Guess what? The state will pay for your medical marijuana card here in the state of Arkansas.
1: Wow. Well, here, here's something interesting from the Democrat Gazette article. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of bringing a low to your high just a second yeah. ago, but <laughs> uh, Ken, it's really fun to watch Ken get really animated in studio. Uh, but and you should get animated, right? We should all be up in arms about this. But one of the the, the very last quote of this article, which I think is really important. Quote, this is someone who lives in Colorado. So they interviewed someone who lives in Colorado, um, who's sort of an expert involved there. Quote, we are all sick of pot tourism in Colorado. It's not the desirable type of tourism you want to have in Arkansas. Quote, we are all sick of pot tourism in Colorado. Let me just tell you, folks, take it from someone who lives there, who has been involved in it, who's seen it firsthand – we don't want it in Arkansas,
3: and the venue here in Arkansas just doesn't make sense. Even without pot in Colorado, you have so many things to do in Colorado. Uh, you know, all supposed to during the winter, the skiing and in Vail and all this other stuff. The Rocky Mountains. I wonder what it's like skiing uh, high. Yeah, oh, I can't I can't feel good. I don't know, but uh, but you talk about Colorado, and you talk about that study. You know, just 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 four quick percentage. 153% rise and since 2012, 153% rise in fatal crashes where the driver tested positive for marijuana in the state of Colorado. 21% of traffic fatalities attributed to pot. Uh, where they say, oh, well, it's going to be way lower uh, than drunk driving because drunk driving was at 26%. Right there in par with drunk driving. 54% higher than the national average in marijuana use for minors. 54%. And then you talk about the budget and the economic only 0. .9%, 0. .9, not nine, point nine percent less than 1% contribution to the state's budget.
1: Wow. You know, we talked a little bit about this earlier. We have a—I I don't know, Ken. Did you know we have a crime problem in the state yeah. of Arkansas? <laughs> little you, Rock. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, it's, and what's yeah. sad is not just Little Rock, right? In my district in southeast rural Arkansas, mm-hmm. we're seeing it trickle out. Yeah. Prime example: in November of 21, um, a a lady by the name of Miss Hudson was at the Walmart parking lot in Monticello, loading groceries into her car. Three o'clock in the afternoon, she just finished grocery shopping. She's loading the groceries from her cart into her car. A man by the name of Jarvis Dillard struck and killed Miss Hudson in that parking lot. Struck and killed her with his car. He was high on marijuana. He was high on meth. Tested him. Toxicology came back. He was high on that. He was impaired. The Experts testified to that. The other interesting thing to that, though... Jarvis had been sentenced to twenty years in state prison. He was paroled after serving less than twenty five percent of that. Think about that. So he gets out of prison, doesn't even serve doesn't even serve a, you know, his full sentence serves less than twenty five percent of his sentence, gets out, he's in the parking lot, driving to the parking lot, strikes Miss Hudson, kills her with his car.
2: Hmm.
1: Do you think it's gonna get better with recreational marijuana? No. No. It's no. not. No
3: one and no one on that side can say with a straight face it's going. Uh, they did an ad the other day saying we're going to have safer communities with recreational marijuana. How?
1: I, yeah, I, I don't know how. <laughs> and it was just the weirdest thing, you know. Again, go go back to the people who employ people in this state. Are we going to yeah. have safer workplaces, safer working environments, safer manufacturing? You know, I, I tour industry all the time, uh, right? And I go and usually one thing you see when you walk into a manufacturing facility is a banner on the wall that says X number of hours uh, safe hours or without an incident or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to get a whiteboard and just change change, <laughs> change yeah. the number of hours basically every yeah. hour, I'm, I'm afraid. And, also, and, and that's not yeah. fear-mongering. That, that, is, that is accurate, I think, to what we're going to see.
3: And you talk about the lack of you know people working in their workforce we're talking about people lack of people being companies being able to find uh employees uh to work and this this will uh go into uh, go into that too but we talk about crime connected with with drug usage and whatnot but you know it's a cancer it's a cancer that's bleeding out of uh, uh little rock and he, i said it with when the when the previous mayor was um building all these nice things in downtown little rock i said great that's nice, you're building all these nice things. We need it. But you're not going to build nice things over crime. You're not going to the, – the, the idea was they are going to make all these nice things and all this will be pushed out. But that's just not how crime, crime
1: works. I don't think anybody questions the fact we need more economic growth in Arkansas, especially in my region, in a yeah. rural region where we need to see more economic growth. Yeah. Let me just tell you, there's two things. There's two major things that can contribute to economic growth. Good schools – we've already talked about that this yeah. morning – and crime. Low crime rate and good schools almost guarantee yeah. that you will have economic growth. You know what we don't have in Arkansas? Now, I'm not saying that all schools are bad. Yeah. They're not. We have some really good schools. But we have a, we have an education issue, and we have a major crime issue. Yeah. Well,
3: I'm going to add a third one to that, because a lot of this stems from your municipalities, where you have city councilmen and you have mayors who are solely responsible for the economic growth and the crime of the, of the city. And guess what? Most of these places are nonpartisan. And guess where the Democrats are going? They're, They're hiding. hiding behind that nonpartisan label, running for school board, running for city council, running for mayors of these uh, – and running for judgeships, running for mayors uh, uh, of these cities, and, and doing what they do, just like just like Frank Scott here in the city of Little Rock is is doing. He has run this city into shambles. It is embarrassing. I am embarrassed when my friends come to Arkansas and land in Little Rock.
1: I think all the listeners to that point talking about this mayor's race, it's really important, really, really important. Um, there's a really interesting op-ed. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it this morning, called "For the City," um, and uh, it, it gives some it gives some really good insight into the mayor's race in Little Rock. And, and some people may ask, some of your listeners may ask, well. Why does a state senator from southeast Arkansas, two hours from Little Rock, care about the Little Rock mayor's race? We, you know why? Because it's our capital city. As the capital city goes, so goes Arkansas. Yeah. When people are looking to locate and, and do business in Arkansas, what's the first thing they do? They Google news. They, yeah. look, they look news. You know where the biggest media market is in the state of Arkansas? Little Rock. Yeah. When they see that there's a murder, a homicide every single night in Little Rock, Do they want to come? Now, we don't have that in my district, but do they want to come to Arkansas? No. Yeah.
3: Well, and these mayors have to die we talked to Mayor Virginia Hillman Young Mayor of Sherwood who said when she took office you know it was only 60% filled now it's over 80% filled and thank goodness she had that foresight to think about that other mayors have whether it's the Mayor of Maumelle Mayor Sherwood North Little Rock and even even in the surrounding counties in Faulkner County Saline County Lone Oak County they're having to be prepared for this cancer that is spreading and uh, you know Frank Mayor Scott continues to turn a blind eye because he has his security team he doesn't have to worry about it that he spent millions of tax, yeah, or
1: not well thousands, thousands of tax. he
3: doesn't worry about it so anyways we digressed a little way from the issues we'll come back and talk <laughs> about issue two that's going to be on the ballot and we'll be back on the Dave Elswick show after this short break we are back on the Dave Ellswick Show for our last segment before the uh, top of the hour. We'll take an hour break, and then I'll be back at 9 with uh, Ms. Heather Turchie. We'll be talking about her race, and uh, y'all enjoy hearing hearing from her, but she's been uh, uh, <clears throat> busy on the campaign trail. So we're going to talk about uh, – uh, there's four issues on the ballot. We cover issue four. Uh, we'll talk about issue two now. It's the uh, one about ballot issues. So so as you, we talked about special interests coming into Arkansas, um, basically buying their way onto the ballot medical marijuana recreational marijuana some of the other things that they try to do the jungle primary they try to do there's a redistricting thing that they try to do with the independent citizens commission that wasn't really independent um and and so we've seen them come in buying their way to the ballot buying you know uh uh, having just millions of dollars from outside groups you know warren buffett uh you know those types of people and so we're trying to it should be hard to change the constitution the I agree the 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 founders of our country wanted to make it hard, just like you see how how the threshold of changing the u s constitution correct what well, that takes, and so it correct. should be hard to change the state constitution when we have over a hundred amendments now that 's too too much, and so this would change that threshold. Whether it's referred to, you know, people are like, oh, we're going to crush the people. No, whether it's referred to, referred from the people, or whether it's referred from the legislature, it's going to be from fifty percent to sixty percent. It's 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 what Florida does.
1: Well, and, and what it will do, it'll it'll ensure true consensus. You know, when you see things pass by one percentage point, just barely pass, mm-hmm. barely get majority. It's not. Is, is that true consensus, or was that outside money that that conjured up um, uh, uh, you know enough of the uh, one side to get out and support a certain initiative, right? And so. It should be difficult, to your point, Ken. It's our guiding document of the state. Just like the U.S. Constitution is a guiding document of this country, it is precious. It should be treated as such. It shouldn't be, oh, just changed on a whim because, well, we we like this, we like that. We've got marijuana, medical marijuana, probably soon, if we're not careful, to have recreational marijuana in our Constitution. We have taxes in our Constitution. This is crazy stuff. The the stuff that should be reserved for the Constitution ought to be core issues, guiding principles, yeah. things that are truly uh, consensus items for uh, for our our state and our people. And it shouldn't be uh, you know a good friend of mine, David Ray, who, who's been a leader on this. This this was actually uh, his referred amendment. Mm-hmm. He yes. carried the bill. He him and uh, Senator Bart Hester, yep. two great conservative guys. Um, David David is, is like I said is a true leader on this and and you know one of the things that that David says that is a little bit humorous but very true is he talks about Arkansas being a cheap date for all these ultra-lib billionaires that want to come in and buy their way or buy their yeah. issues or or buy whatever they want in Arkansas, because they can come in to a media market in Little Rock, they can spend a fraction of the money it would cost to do something in Florida or any other state, and they can toy with us, and basically we're the puppets on the string.
3: That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And it, it's amazing to see the opposition, the left, the a special interest saying, you know, this this will let the uh, special interest change the system. No, the special interests are the ones changing the system now to your point. This is a cheap date. They're the ones coming in not having to spend a lot of money in our cheap media market and passing whatever they want to pass. And to that point, they say, you know, special interests will pass blah blah blah. And it's just like, well, since uh since the year 2000, we've had 30 measures that have passed. 18 of them have received the 60% voter threshold. Over half of them have received the 60% threshold. So their idea of saying we'll never get anything passed, it's only special interest that will get stuff passed, doesn't hold water. Those are the statistics in itself.
1: And, and I'll, I'll add to this, it limits the legislature. Because we, we, we can refer out three um, constitutional. Uh, constitutional amendments yeah. in a year. It limits us to the same standard. Whatever we put out has to get the same consensus to pass. So I think it's a good check and balance on the initiated act and the referred amendments because at the end of the day, it ought to be about the consensus in Arkansas. You, you know, we everybody talks about a, a true democracy. all We're a democratic republic in, in the United States, and and typically the way things are done, at least with the U.S. Constitution, mm-hmm. it requires true consensus among the states to do that. And that's the way it should be in Arkansas. True consensus among the people.
3: Yeah, and and then we go back to this being a constitutional republic. The founders, you know, wanted it to be hard to change our laws. We shouldn't just be, you know, one day we got you know fifty point one percent changing it, you know, and then the next year we want to change it back to with with fifty point one percent, and someone comes in uh, uh, and you know spends two million dollars, and and then that's that's all they got to do.
1: Yeah. Um, well the people the people that want to change the rules are always the people that are losing, typically. And in this case in Arkansas, it's liberals, right? And they're they're the ones that they found out that they're losing at the state capitol because Arkansas said, enough. We're tired of it. Yeah. I'm the first Republican to hold my seat, my Senate seat in Southeast Arkansas. Yeah. Voters said we're tired. Yeah. We want true conservatism. That's right. And and so the Democrats and Liberals said, Oh, oh, great, we're losing at the state capital. Hey, let's use this. Let's go over here and we'll we'll do these initiated acts, and we can you know we can go win that way. And yeah. that's exactly what
3: they're doing. That's what they're they said. Let's let's change how we elect our elected officials. Why why do you think they want to change that? Because they can't get elected in regular primaries. That's why they want to have jungle primaries.
1: To, Which I I don't even like mean, it. That is too difficult for me to even understand. Yeah. Jungle
3: I, primaries with, along with rank rank choice, choice voting. voting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. M- pretty much mixed,
1: guarantee that you would never have another conservative elected in yeah. Arkansas.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then. Uh, you you have that you have oh redistricting been done by Democrats for the past hundred and thirty years oh gosh, the Republicans are unfair they're going to gerrymander it before we even drew the districts but let's have an amendment where we make sure you know we have an independent citizens commission yeah uh, do it and I don't so, know about
1: you I'm tired of independent citizens commissions on doing anything
3: yeah we all know they're not uh, they're, they're not, not independent they're not independent but that but to your point the, the Democrat whether it's hiding as I mentioned earlier and uh. uh a, a nonpartisan uh, elected officials, but also at the state level, you know this is this is where they the, the only place they can win.
1: Yeah, so. Ken, it's been awesome being on on radio with you, and always appreciate your. Your conservatism and the values you push and the hard work that you do for our state, thanks for having me on.
3: No, I appreciate it. Thank you for all you do at the uh, Senate, and representing your uh, constituents. You don't have an opponent. I think that speaks for itself that you don't have an opponent because I think your constituents are, are happy with you and uh, uh, keep finding the good fight uh, in the in the state Senate. Thank you. So, thank you. This is Dave Ellswick's show, and uh, I will see you all at 9 for an hour with Heather Turchie. Back on the Dave Ellswick show this morning for that last third hour until ten. This is Ken Yang once again uh, filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick, chairman of the I'm the chairman of the Saline County Republican Party, uh, the chair of chairs of the state party, and of course I run American Dream Strategies. And help good conservative candidates get uh, elected or reelected. But joining me in studio is none other than a voice you probably haven't heard in a while, but a very really popular voice that was on here weekly um, is a Heather Turchie. Thank you for coming in.
5: Thank you for having me. <laughs>
3: Well, Heather is uh, running for state rep, which is why you haven't heard from her, because when you're running for office, a little harder to be on on air and all that, you know, equal time, yada, yada, yada. Um, But, you know, Dave always invites the Democrats on anyways, but they don't ever come on. So, (laughs) all that equal time stuff. So, how, um, you know, we'll just go straight into it. Uh, First of all, how's, you know, I want to ask, how the campaigning's going, but two, you know, I was talking to Senator Gilmore this morning. I talked to the mayor Sherwood this morning. You know, they're out there running for re-election, knocking on doors, meeting with folks, and you know, we get to, we hear a lot of on TV national politics, this, all this other stuff, but I think the most important thing is knowing what the people actually are caring about at the doors. And so right. when you're knocking on doors, I tell people you're often shocked what we think is important then you go knock on doors like oh no everyone thinks this is important not what i'm thinking is important right so how's the campaign going and what are people saying when you go door to door
5: it's going really well i mean we're just out there hustling every day and knocking on doors getting to talk to people um on monday i spent a big majority of the time going around to the businesses in my district and talking to the business owners um the biggest issue that we have of course it's little rock is our crime we have a major crime problem um and that is a bipartisan issue i haven't knocked on a door that's been a democrat republican independent where that hasn't been one of the top issues that we have in little rock um another issue that we have you know since the roe versus wade uh was turned over with the uh, supreme court we hear a lot about the abortion topic um the people that are in my district you know they want more options they feel like a total ban on abortion is a little extreme um you know, and that's something that i'm I'm willing to probably work with and um because you know it is my district and I have to represent my constituents um The other issue is going to be on crime, not crime, but excuse me um our economy so um those are the three topics that I hear probably the most from both Democrats, Republicans, and you know in our independents
3: yeah well let's uh let's try to tackle them uh one by one we' We'll do just the economy you and I were just talking about. Well, before we got on air, just about inflation and the cost of things, and right. we're just talking about just you know running, being a consultant, and then also you as a candidate having right. to pay for stuff, and just right. how much expensive it is running a campaign now, just because materials are more expensive, postage is more expensive, printing, e-
5: gas is so expensive, gas Just driving have, around, <laughs> just, just driving
3: around, and uh, uh, you know what's you know. I'm sure at the door is, you know, there's, you have Democrats and that represent, really, Joe Biden, his administration, all this inflation, all, um, French Hill was talking about how the average Arkansan is spending $7,000 more mm-hmm. uh, this year and just regular stuff, like gas, groceries, right. so on and so forth. Uh, you know, what are you telling the people of, like, hey, this is why you should elect me and... You know, we're going to tackle the economy versus you know.
5: Right. I mean, there's really not much we can do about the inflation on a state level, but you know, something that we can address is you know our state income taxes. You know, still chipping away on the state income tax, and I think that's something that um, hopefully, hopefully, our next governor, Sarah Huckabee, is going to um, keep tackling like ASA Hutchison has done. Um, The other thing that I hear people are not really happy with property taxes, which Mm. I get that, and um, I know. Excuse me, Representative Robin Lundstrom has talked about this a few times. Um, Something that I would like to see done, and I I would have to talk to other legislators about it to see, you know, if we could budget. But I would like to remove the property taxes for senior citizens. Mm. You know, you think about it, you own your property, but you still have to pay taxes to the government on something that you own. So you really don't own that piece of property. Yep. You know? I, don't,
3: I don't understand I don't get what uh, I've always thought well and you pay these taxes and I'm like what am I getting in return right because I, I pay for my utilities of the city I pay for you know my gas and and electric and water right so but not, you're getting
5: something in return yeah I'm
3: getting something <laughs> in return for those right. things right um, and so but even with like our public utilities even the senior citizens are are locked into what they're paying so right. inflation doesn't affect them uh uh you know needs for increase doesn't affect them it just affects everyone else right. and i can, you know citizens. i can i can see that i know we we've raised the homestead tax credit um i think twice mm-hmm. uh in the past uh, couple sessions but you know when you raise a Tax credit, but then your property taxes still continue to increase, you know, whether it's based on assessment and whatnot. And some of these assessments, I think, are just wrong. Um, But you know, it doesn't really matter if your homestead tax credit is uh, uh, increased because your taxes have increased,
5: right? Exactly.
3: So, yeah. Uh, well, and then what was the first point you you mentioned? The abortion issue, and then the first point oh, was
5: crime. Crime, crime yeah, so, is a big issue. Yeah.
3: So you know, we talked about crime uh, this morning. We mm-hmm. talked to. I know you're running a race, so this is this is just my opinion, and I want to put words in Heather's mouth, but you know, Frank Scott's a terrible, terrible mayor. Um, I'd say that to his face. Frank is actually a friend. We might not be friends anymore. But uh, uh, he's, a, he's been a terrible mayor. Crime is a cancer. It bleeds throughout our communities. And so it's amazing that, like 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 I said, you're going door-to-door. where That might not be an issue mm-hmm. in Benton when right. I can't go door-to-door. But you're going door-to-door in Little Rock, and that's the issue. Is. Do people – I mean – what are people wanting done, I guess, or or what are you telling folks? Well,
5: you know, people don't really understand why crime is an issue. And, you know, I tell them it's, it's the people that you guys are electing. They're soft on crime. You know, my opponent is very soft on crime, uh, you know, I have nothing personally against her it's just policy more than it is Mm -hmm. anything and the same thing goes back you know to frank scott they're just soft on crime and uh, so majority of people they're not really sure they don't understand why we're having these issues and something that you know um, excuse me uh tim griffin had talked about and and that i agree with him on is that you know we need parole reform um you know most of the, the people that are in little rock that are committing these crimes are repeat offenders they're out on parole and they're the ones that are committing the crimes and uh, you know when you're going into a state penitentiary you're only in serving like a sixth of your sentence that's right and then you're released back out onto the streets and you're repeating those crimes over and over again so something that i think we need to do is up that to if you are a hardened criminal that you need to serve at least eighty percent of your time
3: well many of these criminals um it become when they repeat mm-hmm. their repeat is actually a more heinous crime a more violent right. crime you know cuz they're just we, mad yeah <laughs> like we say repeat but they're not really repeating their previous crime right. it's, it's just it's getting, getting worse. worse right um so that's interesting um that you know I talked there's an article in the uh Wall Street Journal about you know the crime in Chicago mm-hmm. and the, how the black voters there are really uh, disappointed with the Democrats. Yeah. and But they're not necessarily going to go out and go vote for the Republicans. Right. What they're going to do is just sit at home. And I, I was just saying, you know, this is a opportunity for Republicans to show uh, whatever voters, whether it's black voters or Democrat voters that, you know, just start hesitant to vote Republicans, mm-hmm. saying, hey, we are the party that's going to fight crime. We are the right. party that's going to. That's why. That's why. We back the
2: blue.
3: Right. Are there bad eggs in, in all the things that we do? And right. in, 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 in that institution, there are. But we back the blue because the blue is the one that defends us from the crime. Right. Not all of us can be like Frank Scott and spend tens and thousands of dollars on our own security. Right. And not have to worry about right. the crime right. in the city of Little Rock. Right. Uh, and that's where uh,
5: a lot of Democrats fall short on that is the hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, they... They, uh, they're against school choice, but yes. they're the first ones to have their children you in know, a private school. Nice private
3: school. They're <laughs> you know? against uh, the wall, but they're the first one to live in the gated right, community. Right, gated communities, right. Uh, they're against, uh, uh, you know, they're for having sanctuary cities, but as soon as you uh, send illegal immigrants to their sanctuary cities, they send them they right back. They don't
5: want them, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's kind of uh, funny how that works.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Um, In that regard, and you know your opponent, you know a Democrat that defeated uh, uh, an incumbent Republican, and also one has to one has to say, if people, I know a lot of listeners remember it, but one has to remember that I believe that uh, we she shouldn't even be the state rep because because there are votes that were counted that shouldn't have been counted in her in her race. Uh, if, yeah. if we go go back to that point, I mean, right. they they had to actually the the house actually had to vote to seat her, right? Um, and
5: it was about twenty four votes. Yeah, about so twenty four very... votes.
3: But but, they, but it was one of those instances where you know Representative Cervillo was up the day before, and then we go to bed, mm-hmm. and the next morning is oh, we found a box of a, a box of of. Ballots, and we forgot to count them. And then they counted them, and it's like, oh crap, Uh, the the reason why that box is over there in the corner is because those were bad ballots that we weren't supposed to count, but now they're all mixed in. And, uh, you know, I know Jim sued, and the court can't set a precedence of having. Right. You know, another election. Uh, we saw that in another part of the state, too, this, this go-around. Right. But uh, um, <clears throat> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um,
5: and there's nothing, like I said before, you know, it's nothing personal with my opponent. Yeah. I'm sure she's a great person. I'm sure she's very smart. But, you know, the problem that we have right now is that we really don't have a strong voice who is effective down at our state capital. You know, she's completely ineffective. She's only sponsored three bills in two years, and only one of those bills passed. And the only reason why that one bill passed is because other Republicans co-sponsored that bill so she could get it through, because it was one of those bills for some development that was out there in our district. So it's like one of those bills that you have to pass, (laughs) you know? But that's it. And, And I think that's actually really sad that, you know, my robust district, 75, is not being represented. Yeah,
3: good point. good point. Well, when we come back, we'll talk more about the pro-life issues and other issues in your community and in your race. And we'll be back, right back on the Dave Elswick Show after this break. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm joined by uh, Heather P- Turchi. Ter-
5: it's Italian. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> for Arkansas, who's running for state. Uh, what we didn't mention is, so what part of uh, Pulaski County, Little Rock, does your district cover?
5: Yeah. So um, my district covers Brody Creek, Woodlands Edge, Part of Chennau Valley, Hillsboro, Taylor Loop, and... Um, green mountain drive that area i'm just south side of henson so i touch parts of pleasant valley
3: okay so. okay and then you can find her on facebook Heather right. for arkansas uh, and then also com if you want to support her campaign um, it's it's an important race as a, as someone as a republican chairman um someone not just as a consultant but someone in the republican party as a chairman you know we support our nominees and we also want to make sure we, even if you're not in Pulaski County, we want to support people that are trying to get rid of bad legislators, and that's best every single Democrat. But um, <laughs> you want to, bad bad legislators like like Ashley Hudson, who is ineffective for a district, right. does not speak for her district, who has done nothing for her district, and you have someone here who I know a lot of the listeners know that's passionate, is a passionate mom, right. um. A passionate wife, a passionate daughter, about a lot of the issues right. that are important, and uh, and so um, I think I think the district's ready for change. And like I said, the district was originally represented by a Republican anyway, right? And so we're taking back a seat that, uh, in my opinion, should belong to us in the first place, right? And so. it's not
5: so much just that it belongs to the Republicans everyone in my district needs a voice and we're just not being represented properly and it just like goes back to the abortion topic you know i'll be quite honest with you a lot of people don't know this much about me but i actually used to be a libertarian so i lean a little bit more central on some issues Mm -hmm. um some issues not so much uh you know but as far as the abortion topic you know most of the people that i 'm talking to, they just want options they want to have the rape and incest included into um, into the law, which is something that i 'm willing to work with now i 'm not so much for going for the fifteen week, but I am willing to work at six weeks you mm-hmm. know but something that needs to be changed, and this is something that you know my opponent said that she was going to do she, which she fell short on um, is also holding the rapist accountable. You know, right now, a child rapist only is sentenced to 25, 30 years in prison, and then they might serve a sixth of that sentence when they're in there. Something that I'm wanting to do is up that to a lifetime sentence without parole um, for child rapist.
3: Well, you know, something that I lobbied on, uh, speaking of the, the rape and incest deal, is um, is Representative Furman uh, agreed to sponsor a bill that was lobbying? Is to, uh, and Blake, Senator Blake Johnson is to report. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone came in, and this is right. when abortion was illegal. But when someone came in had an abortion, you know that a question would be asked: Is right. this abortion a product of rape or incest? Well, if it is, before you could qualify for abortion, that needed to be report. Charge, and right. then you had Democrats said, "Oh, this is bad. Right. This is invasive." And what I'm like, well, wait a minute. Do we not want to put the right. abo- uh, exactly. the rapists in jail? Do we not want them caught? Like, what? Why exactly? You know,
5: exactly. And, and we
3: need, and we, and then we also the the data is very helpful um, to to know the percentage of that, and we know the percentage is real, right? Small, you know. Personally, um, you know, I don't think rape and incest should be included. I get, I understand the politics of representing uh, your district mm-hmm. and things of that sort because I just think this is where I, I tell people all the time. And I, we, I have good, they're good Republican friends that believe in the rape and incest uh, uh, exceptions, but as a Christian, I couldn't. Right, I couldn't uh, um, support that, and I think Gary Senator Stubblefield said the best on the floor when when the you know when Jimmy Hickey was promoting the rape and incest exception, you know uh, Senator Stubblefield says, "Does God see either of those two children any different?" Yeah, and obviously the answer is no. For right. The answer is no. Um, then I think you can't have rape and incest. Yeah. But. To the listeners that don't understand the district that Heather is in, I call it one. This is how I always call it when I talk to people. I call it a Mitt Romney esque district, where it's a very it's a very purple district. It's a very Mm -hmm. conglomerate of folks that are Democrats, folks that are Republicans, but they're typically not your fringe. Right. Uh, left or fringe right. Right. They're really that 70% right. that's in the middle. Right. And, uh, or, you know, less, less, uh, you know, Mitt Romney elicits, uh, emotion. I'd say more those New Hampshire type Republicans,
5: I guess I should say. Well, it's just so. very centralized. But, you know, they're, like I said before, there's a lot of issues that I feel like I'm, I, I set very central on. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I don't identify as a libertarian anymore is because of their open border policy. So <laughs> that was one of the reasons why I left the libertor- Libertarian Party. But, you know, as far as the rape and incest, you know, you go door to door and I'm talking to people. They cannot wrap their head around, you know, making a 10, 11, 12 year old child carry a child, carry a baby. I get that. I understand that. But this is another thing is that what are we doing to prevent this? You know?
3: Yep. Yeah.
5: I mean, me personally, and this is probably not a very Republican thing to say, but I think we should have free contraceptives. I mean, Plan B should you should have access to Plan B, you know, yeah. anytime you need it, and that would completely eliminate the, even the need for abortion.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, with with this fiscal session, we saw more funding to our crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah. I think they're awarded a million dollars, and so we have a lot of good crisis pregnancy centers. We have a lot of good health clinics that are run by the government, mm-hmm. uh, women's health clinics in the state and so um i think the tools are there we just need to ramp them up mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's a cyclical thing we go we got to talk about adoption you know when should adoption be easier cheaper you uh, know our foster care system all and right. what we're doing there so it's all connected um in regards to contraceptives another legislature recently passed uh, a contraceptive bill to make it easier uh, for uh, I won't say minors, but people kind of in that teenage years to get uh, to get contraceptives. Not everyone agrees with that, like as you right. as you mentioned, especially right. uh, our friends uh, uh, that are Catholic. I am Catholic. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> uh, my other friends that yeah. are uh, Catholic is not not something right. that they would uh, uh, agree on. Yeah. And so you know, there's something to be said about having that discussion, not necessarily. Right. That that's what we're we're going to do. But that's a, the, the birth control thing is right. definitely a more prevalent discussion. It's right. going happening at the legislature. It is.
5: And I think, you know, you do, some people tend to go off really far right or really far left. But the majority of the people I feel like in the state are very centralized. A big majority of them. And so we've got to come together and find something that everyone agrees with. That's why I'm saying, you know, I'm not really for the 15-week thing, but I'm okay with the six-week you know, up to abortion issue for rape, incest, and to save the life of the mother. And I actually had a Democrat ask me. She said, you know, um, what about, you know, if the child dies? Yeah.
3: Well, hold that thought. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we are got to go to a hard break, get the news in here at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back with Heather on the Dave Ellswick Show. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang filling in for Dave. uh, And then tomorrow uh, we'll have Robert Steinbach. I know a lot of y'all like to tune in and listen to Robert. He's always good and fun. And he will be uh, guest hosting for Dave tomorrow. But right now I still have... Heather Turchie and uh, uh, I'd interrupt you as we had to go to that a heartbreak fine. earlier, but uh, continue about okay. what you're saying about our, our Democrats.
5: Yeah, so uh, anyways, there was a Democrat that had questioned me, and they said, you know, what about saving the life of the mother if the baby has died in, in utero? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's not an abortion, because the baby is, you know, not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, performing a DNC on a woman is not an abortion, you know, that is saving the life of the mother. Um, yeah. but anyways. But yeah, so that that's a big issue. The schools are a huge issue in Little Rock. You yeah. know, my area out there is a huge private school district, private school and yeah. um, charter school area, um, and we do have some good public schools. Yeah. But you know, a majority of the people that I talk to, they want options.
3: Yeah. Well, before we get to the school thing, yeah. to your story about the pro life thing, as you know, it's you know I, I previously worked at Family Council for nine years, so mm-hmm. the pro life stuff is. We're, you know, just not because I work there, which has always been really important to me. Yeah, I, I tell people talk about this save the life of the mother. And I, for me, that's the only exception. Uh, I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But here in the state of Arkansas, the number of abortions because to save the life of the mother is zero because sci- medicine, science has progressed so much that that's virtually a n almost and I'm not saying it's it's, it's there there are situations that I know about I've read about where that you know you would need to save the life of America, but that's it's virtually non existence. All these scary scenarios that Democrats bring up about saving the life of America, they just don't happen. All right. In regards to, you know, when a baby dies in utero um, you know, we have a law that that uh, where we offer palliative care for for the baby, where the the mother has the option of carrying that uh, baby to term or not. Right. And, and just like we have palliative care for you know our senior citizens, we offer palliative care for uh, our unborn babies, and yeah. in that respect you hear stories about doctors telling you know mothers hey your child's not going to live to term or even if it does live to term when it's born uh, uh your child's probably not gonna live past, you know, three months or three, mm-hmm. you know, a year or whatever. Right. And then they're grown adults now, healthy right. as can be. Right. So those are all things that I think are important on the on the issue. Right. But it that, is yeah.
5: it, you know, my my sister in law, this is a very personal thing, but uh my sister in law actually gave birth to a trisomy thirteen baby. Mm-hmm. Um it was not detected at all. Through all the you know, ex the um what do you call those, the Ultrasounds and all the testing they yeah. did, it was never detected. Um, and anyway, so she carried the baby, you know, till nine months. And when she gave birth to it, it was a trisomy 13 baby. It only lived for five days. But, you know, she's like she said, even if I had known previously that the baby had trisomy 13, I would have never aborted the baby because right. it's not her place to abort that child. That's right. So, you know, and that's not to save the life of the mother. She was not injured. That's right. You know, and that baby lived for five days.
3: That's right. Um, That's right. Well, um education was a huge topic earlier this morning yeah. even with the, the mayor with senator gilmore mm-hmm. um not only talk about uh educational opportunities for for children but we talk about parents concerns about what their child's being taught you right. know here it's just um and i know you follow all of that but just you know this morning in the dimgas conway school board set to vote on transgender policies right. uh, in, here in uh, in october and so um, what are you hearing from the parents uh, of your school di- of your of your district?
5: Mine's not so much that. It's just that you know everyone has a different opinion about how their child should be educated, and that's why I'm for school choice because you should be able to have options yes, right. that you know fits your needs. Um, you know, this is probably where I get my hard red background because <laughs> because <laughs> i was very very against mandates yeah. very against mandates especially the mask mandates and the reason why is because it was actually affecting my child yeah. um my oldest child um he had a speech delay he had started speech therapy whenever he was three years old um and it was doing great and whenever they put the mask on the children i started seeing a decline in his speech yeah. so when i started taking him to the speech therapist the speech therapist said Your child is not the only one that's suffering from this right now. There's a lot of children that are suffering from it because they are not seeing the teacher's mouth movement. They're not seeing their peers' mouth movement. So, you know, all they're seeing is a mask all day long for eight hours. So it's, you know, taking a toll on them. So I pulled my kid out of that school and put him in a different school that wasn't masking the children. And immediately, you know, I started seeing an increase in his speech and his grades and everything. Um, and And luckily, you know, my husband and I, we are privileged enough To be able to have that option to put our kid in a different school. And I think that every child should have that opportunity. It should never be about money. Yes. You know, every child should have an option. You know, to a great education. Yeah, and when we
3: talk about school choice, this is where the the Democrats, you know, fearmonger. When we talk about school choice, it's like, oh, it's only for the wealthy. No, school choice means that the money's following the kid, right? And so, you know, uh, t- uh, Tim Griffin, the lieutenant governor, puts his the best. I remember hearing him talk to a group, and he goes, uh, "You live in Bryant." And, uh, but you want to go to, you have a Walmart in Bryant, but they just built a new Walmart in Benton. Mm -hmm. And someone tells you, well, sorry, you live in Bryant. You can't go shop at the Walmart Benton. You'd be like, Wow. I I want to go to the better one. Right. And it's the same thing with our schools. Capitalism, (laughs) free market, all the stuff that we believe in. It it
5: works. It works.
3: It works. And, uh, you know, I went to private school early on um, because English wasn't my first language. And so I went to private school early on when I was a kid and then went to public school. Just did just fine. Mm -hmm. There are bad students, good students in private, public, homeschool, whatever. Um and so I think I think you know that's why school choice. I mean, it's going to be an important thing. And as right. you mentioned, the new governor uh, Sarah Huckabee uh, Sanders. I just call her the new governor because the other guy has no chance. But um, that's a key uh, platform of hers that she she just talked about uh, too. And we've been so close. I mean, we've passed little tiny things right. of school choice here in our state, but uh, I we're right there at the cusp right. of. Uh, passing it here in the state and and democrats don't want to admit all the states that have actually passed school choice surrounding us on the west coast on the east coast they can't point us to a state that's passed school choice where it's been a failure right it it all been successes
5: it has money following the child and you know another thing this is is not just school choice but having transparency and accountability in our public schools is another huge topic that um, I want to address. Um, You know, right now we're spending 43 cents on every state tax dollar in education, Mm -hmm. which is $2.6 billion a year in education. So, you know, we don't have a problem with our education system being underfunded, but we do have a problem with our teachers Not being funded. And uh, so something that, you know, I want to look at is holding our school boards and our local superintendents accountable for the taxpayer dollar. We need to see where it's going. We need to see that it's actually going towards the teachers and not going towards AstroTurf on a football field.
3: You know. Yeah, I mean a lot of people don't know or
5: Las Vegas trips. Yeah, yeah Las
3: Vegas. <laughs> but yeah. well, you know, you talk about right. uh, uh, you know the the funding and not seeing the results, mm-hmm. uh, and you know during fiscal session, just so you, even new legislators don't know this. Most of the budget requires a two thirds vote to pass, right? But when it comes to education, it's only a simple majority. You only need fifty one to pass the budget for education mm-hmm. related issues, right? And so. Um, and I think that's where a lot of times you only need a simple majority. That's where a lot of the things fall under the cracks of mm-hmm. what's the money being spent on. You know, we should have money to, to give teacher uh, uh, pay increases. Right. And we have done it since, uh, right. since uh, Governor Hutchinson. Since Governor right. Hutchinson. So, you know, the Democrats say all this crap. I know your opponent has said a lot of crap mm-hmm. about that. But like, no, no, no. Hold on a second. The Democrats are in charge of 130 years. They weren't the ones to give teacher right. increases. It was the re- When the Republicans took over. Right. And the teachers are about to get another increase uh, next year, right? And so, it should maybe we should look at? I think it's fine having the discussion, looking at giving a, them a bigger increase, right? But to say that we hate teachers, we don't want to give them increases—totally not true. What, what a lot of crap! Yeah, what a load it's of a crap. total,
5: it's a total crap. Yeah.
3: So, but uh, but you know, we talked about earlier. You know, we talked about uh, you know in, in Fayetteville. I think it was Fayetteville um, where you know the school district was. You talk about transparency when the school mm-hmm. district weren't wasn't telling their uh, the parents of a kid who thought they were trans or what not. and the, you know there were email threads saying, "Hey, don't don't tell uh, don't tell the parents because you know the parents don't agree with this mm-hmm. and just keep it here at the right. school." And that's that's just the stuff that I think parents are. Sh- This is why parents are being engaged, whether it was the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates or whatnot, and then that just has trickled to, uh, you know, the the agenda, the Mm -hmm. curriculum or whatever it is at at, at the school district level.
5: And here's the thing, you know, this goes back to more of a moderate stance that I have gay friends, I respect their viewpoints, I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. Um, But, you know, going back to school choice, if you want to send your child to a school that maybe fits the needs of your lgbtq plus (laughs) whatever you want then you should have the option to send them to school but parents that don't agree with that and who don't want this woke ideology pushed on their children they should have options to put their child in a different school you know we just need options everybody should be entitled to have an option
3: yeah and 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 it's so important It's such a key important point because you have parents right now that believe that their only choice is to homeschool. And not everyone right. has the capacity to homeschool. Right. Uh, not everyone has the capacity to homeschool, and not everyone can teach their kids. Right. And if they can't teach their kids, not everyone can hire someone to right. teach their kids right. uh, at home. Not every community has an education co-op where they can send their kids you're homeschool. Uh, and so there needs to be those education opportunities where you can go to a public school, a private school right. that isn't indoctrinating kids. Because that's what I hear from parents is, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. But stop shoving that crap right my kids' right. throats. Just right. like, you don't want your kid to be right. masked. You know, stop shoving it down my kid. You want right. a mask, so be it. Right. Not my child. Right.
5: And even uh, my like my gay friends that I've talked to about this, they're not even okay with the sexualizing kids. Yep. I mean, it's just too much. Yep. It's too much. I don't want that's, them learning a, about homosexuality yeah. more than I want them learning about heterosexuality yeah. when they're six years old. It's not
3: talked about <laughs> enough. Is right. The, the majority of the gay community right. do not agree with the They don't agree with she, do it. Do not agree with the you right. know, trans, uh, trans type stuff. Yeah. So, well, well, we have to go on a break. Our last break, we'll come back. We'll finish up uh, uh, the show with Heather, talk about the campaign and any other issues, and we'll be back on the Dave Eswick Show. We are back on the Dave Ellswick show. We're here in our last segment uh, before we're off. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Robert Steinbach will be hosting uh, guest hosting tomorrow for the legendary Dave Ellswick. I've enjoyed being uh, being the host, and I'll be back on October fourth and uh, to uh, guest host for Dave. So we'll hopefully have some good. Uh, um, guests for uh, that will call in as you know we had Dick Morris earlier uh, this morning, so I'll probably have another national guest uh, that day, and we'll uh, announce it then. But for right now, local politics wins the day. It's important that we elect good. Conservative Republicans here in the state. And I'm a firm believer of that, and we're in the general election. As I've always said, and Dave, agree, Dave agrees with me, the Republicans are always better than Democrat. The worst Republican is better than the best Democrat. And I know people fight Dave on that. I don't because I I agree with that sentiment. A lot of people, oh my my person didn't win, so I'm going to sit at home and do nothing. Well, no, that's um that's that's how we get to the point that we're in today. Is is being complacent right. and not supporting Republicans. See, so there's a primary for right. that. And so, appreciate you stepping up to, to run. Right. Uh, are there any other issues that, uh, you know, how can people, are there any issues we didn't cover, but also how can people, you know, um, help you join the campaign, uh, all that good stuff?
5: Well, I'll give my phone number over the air. There you go. <laughs> it's, uh, my phone number is 501 681 3480. And if you want to join my campaign and help me knock on some doors or make phone calls, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, it is crunch time. I mean, we're down, down to the very last wire of, you know, before early voting starts. So, yeah. you know, just really pushing it. And you know, it's not so much, like I said, it's not a Republican, it's not a Democrat thing. We need effective leadership in Little Rock. Somebody who can represent us at the state house And that's what I'm there to do. Um, you know, and somebody who's actually going to vote in favor of other constituents not vote against tax cuts who's not soft on crime like my opponent is yep. um so anyways i really appreciate you having me on
3: <laughs> yeah no thanks for thanks for being on um since we have a a, a little a little time about five minutes um are are any of your people talking about, I guess, the issues that are gonna be on the ballot? So you know you got recreational marijuana mm-hmm. on the ballot, you got uh religious uh freedom amendment and then you got issue two the you know, David Ray's deal of, you know, raising the threshold to pass the constitutional amendment from 50% to 60%. Are those even being uh, really talked about or or really no, not?
5: No, I haven't really heard anything about that. I mean, my district is definitely probably more in favor of recreational marijuana mm-hmm. than what most districts are, but you know, this is how I feel about it if it's on the ballot and the people want to vote on it then, you know, the people rule. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, I have my my viewpoints on it. I mean, I'm not against marijuana. I just I think it should be decriminalized, but I don't know if I'm necessarily, you know, for it being recreational. But again, that's not really up to me. So that's up to my constituents.
3: Yeah, and the <clears throat> latter part is obviously right. a, a, a federal issue more right. so. Right. Uh, more so. Well, it's just so there's you know if you
5: look at Colorado, they've had like a seventy percent increase in automobile accidents since they've. Yeah. completely legalized it out there um yeah that's yeah. so i mean that's something yeah. to look at um but you know there are there are a lot of benefits to marijuana you know people that i know that suffer from ptsd and whatnot use it and um you know it's just one of those things that if it's on the ballot people vote on it and you know the people are going to Decide what they want. So,
3: yeah, I mean that's something that we talked about uh, this morning. I think is is worth repeating on the on issue four. You talked about the rise of fatal crashes. Actually. The report that came out is there's a 153% rise in fatal crashes where the driver tested positive for marijuana. 20% of traffic fatalities are attributed to pot versus 26% caused by drunk driving. Right. So right there on par with drunk driving. Right. Uh, 54% higher than national average in marijuana use for minors in Colorado. Right. All the while, uh, they tout economic growth, economic uh, benefit to the state, where only there was only a, been a 0.9% contribution to the state's mm-hmm. budget right. in Colorado right. with all these issues. So you know, we talked about crime. When we talk about crime, <laughs> it is you know a lot of things connected. But to think that you know. The, the recreational marijuana is saying: If we pass recreational marijuana, we'll have safer communities. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. I'm still wondering how how that's even.
5: I, I don't know if I'm going to buy that or not.
3: <laughs> yeah, they had a little Maybe. commercial, and I'm just like,
5: ah. I mean, doesn't think it's just going to calm everybody down where they don't <laughs> yeah, care? You
3: know, that, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just, you know, just yeah. there. I mean, the I, don't, I don't, I don't think, whatever. I don't
5: think it's a gateway drug. I don't believe that. I just, I have issues with the fact that when the stuff they have now you can't smell it <laughs> you know the edibles yeah. and stuff and yeah. i have a friend that works in uh, medical in the medical field mm-hmm. and you know they're having problems out in colorado with the people in the labs eating edibles and messing people's lab work up wow. in the hospitals wow. so you know well and it's
3: it's different you talk you talk to older folks you know and but you know you even need to talk to older folks but like the marijuana now is way more potent. It is than the marijuana. Right. Then right. just the amount of THC. Right. You know, people say, "Oh, you can't get harmed by marijuana," but that's what. But you are seeing people with schizophrenic episodes, people having adverse reactions, because right. we've never had a situation where you could get something that was eighty percent THC or even hundred percent right uh, a THC. It's so. not.
5: It's not the same marijuana that we had in high school, you know, Bon.
3: No, <laughs> so, no. The, the, I'm probably you know,
5: disclosing too yeah, much, the, but the, hey, the, it's a new day, it's a new the time. don't,
3: don't inhale type, right. type thing that people will right. people talk about and whatnot. So right. um, that would be an interesting issue because that will drive definitely drive out that issue alone, as I was telling some of my clients, will drive out the right. liberal vote.
5: Well, there are a lot of Republicans that um, want it too. So, you well, know. some
3: of them are more silent. So, some of the more yeah. li- I tell people, some of the more libertarian tilted Republicans. Right. Uh, some of my friends, um, you know, they'll they'll come out. Um, but but the, you know, I think. Uh, I just you know, medical was never about medical in my opinion in this state. It was about the ability to pass recreational marijuana right, and right. Arkansas just doesn't doesn't need that. I think we have so many so many problems we might have to we still need to address. And this is not the market for it i am I d I'm I'm befuddled by the fact that the big marijuana folks want to come and monopolize recreational marijuana in Arkansas when medical hasn't really done that well. Yeah. And so That's well, just me. But anyways, we'll, we'll tell see. people once again uh, how they can reach you, how they can help you, yeah, and um, what you need from them. Like
5: I said, you can call me at 501-681-3480, or you can visit my website at com, or you can reach to me on Facebook at Heather for Arkansas.
3: Yes, you, you, I would encourage you to follow her on social media. She's always posting uh, posting good stuff. And I know a lot of the listeners already uh, know you. And so call her there you cannot knock on enough doors. you cannot right. call enough people uh Republic, if you have you want to help her, you want to help other republicans that's that's ultimately what they need so, so. really help me. <laughs> <laughs> We need to pick up that seat. Yeah, we need it, to pick it, up this seat. It is so important for a right. lot of votes. And we talked about educational opportunities. It's so important for educational opportunities to right. pick up this seat, for Heather to beat uh, her opponent. And uh, I can't stress that enough. So you're a Republican out there, you, especially if you're in that West Little Rock district, help out Heather Turchy, uh and, and go go check her out at Com. But uh, that's the end of the show. Once again, this is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary mm-hmm. Dave Ellsworth. And Robert Steinbach will be with you all tomorrow. Have a great day.